but uh, this is the day that we've been talking about over the last few weeks and months is the time when we are wrapping up the years that God has given to us here at Gaiman's Mennonite School and the opportunity to be involved in our, our weekly worship services and many other activities that took place here. So as part of this, remember that um, part of the process of transitions, we all have these transitions that take place in our lives. Transitions from a home that we live in or a school that we attended or a place that had meaning and value. And, and as we're in the process of making these transitions, we recognize for some of you, um, you've been here through this whole journey. Someone was reflecting with me this morning earlier that they've been here the whole time we have been here. And so the service this morning, uh, we believe for some of you, will bring back lots of memories of things that have happened. And, and for others, you're new to the journey with us. And so for you, it'll give you a glimpse and hopefully give you a taste and a sense of what God has done here in the church, in our church, while we've been here at Gaiman's Mennonite School. And so we've got a number of different things that are going to help us navigate through that journey. Um, but for those of you that don't know, we originally um, are one of the first places that we met for services was just down the road in Five Pointville at the chapel where our church meets and or where our offices are, excuse me. And we were meeting in there and um, as we were meeting there, the building was getting a little bit full and um, I think it's going to come up here. Um, there we go. Oh, a little too fast there. The building was getting a little full and so we were trying to figure out what to do, and we had filled up our spaces down below with our kids' ministry, and so we weren't sure where they were going to go. So kids met in the fire hall next door. They met down the road at a member's house. They actually spent the summer out in the field in the back in a tent. You know, it was a little bit like, um, you know, the children of Israel. They were in a tent all summer, but only for the summer. That's all we left them out there for. Um, and so we were trying to figure out what God was going to do, and where were we going to go, and... At that time, we had contacted the local school districts, and, and we had asked them about us possibly meeting in there, you know, where the schools are. And if you know anything about churches and schools around the country, there's a lot of churches that meet in schools in other parts of the country. But both of our school districts that we border, neither one would allow us to rent on a long-term basis in their facility. And so we were not sure what we were going to do. I remembered as I was driving home one day, that an individual said to me who was attending our church at that, uh, several years before, he, he said to me, he said, I have this prophecy about where you're going to meet. I wasn't sure what to do with the prophecy piece, but he said, you're going to one day meet at Gaiman's Mennonite School. I was like, Gaiman's Mennonite? I didn't know anything about the school, didn't know anything about it. I just kind of dismissed it. I was driving home from church at, in Five Pointville one Sunday afternoon. I remembered that comment, Gaiman's Mennonite School. So I drove, and I, and I just assumed it was just the school, but I drove around the back, and all the years of driving back and forth, I did not know that gym existed. And so I drove around the back and found and saw the gym and came inside, met Mel Weaver, who was a principal at that time, and began to have conversations with him about the possibility of us meeting here. And so that's really how our connection to, um, to Gaiman's began. And, and as we were preparing for that transition... 18 years ago, um, Mel Dobb, who's here on the stage with me, she was one of the ones that was involved in that process. So I've asked her to come join me here on the stage just to talk a little bit about that experience. And um, so, Mel, can you talk a little bit about what was it like when we first came in and we saw the gym after being in the chapel and kind of running out of space there? Well, it looked huge. Um, and it, the idea that we would have classrooms to spread out and have our kids actually in the same facility was um, pretty amazing. Um, so it, w it was just really exciting, and I could not have imagined that we would ever fill the space here. Hmm. So tell us, what were some of the things that we did to get ready for the transition to this space? Um, well, I remember when you talked to Greg and I about um, kind of 
leading or heading up that, that I was thinking, how would you, like, how would that ever possibly work? Um, and I, Greg and I went to visit a church. I don't know if you remember the name of it, but um, it met in a YMCA. So we went down one Sunday to watch them to see how someone would, you know, use a space like this and pack things up and unpack it. Um, so that was kind of a fun experience watching that. So then when we got back from that, I spent a lot of time looking for sales on bins and uh, <laughs> bought lots of bins and lots tubs. Of tubs. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, stacked them in the back of my van and carted them around. Um, and then what we used a horse trailer. Yes, I think um, Paul Bias found us a horse trailer in Virginia, so West Virginia. I don't know if we ever got a title for that thing, Paul. I'm, I'm thinking we didn't, but uh, Paul yeah. tracked that down for us. And, and in reflecting back on that, Greg reminded me, I don't know how I forgot this, but he reminded me that while he was towing it with his Jeep, he it um, ripped the hitch off the Jeep and was a... It's a very heavy horse trailer, it, yeah, as I recall. It so. did a lot of damage to our Jeep, and we had to go to our neighbor and have it welded and fixed. <laughs> so one of the unique things about the experience here that when you first came in and started using the building was the chairs. Yeah. Tell us about the chairs. Yeah, they looked like that. Um, they were in pretty bad shape and a little scary. We didn't necessarily trust all of them, but um, over time we partnered with GMS, and we were able to purchase together the nice chairs that you're sitting on now. Yeah. Um, as we outgrew the horse trailer and we're trying to figure out what to do next, um, Mel's husband, Greg, uh, located this vehicle for us in Reading, the infamous blue truck. And uh, for those who don't know about the blue truck, this is an old mayor's bread truck is what it was that someone found. And one of our guys at that time, Gary, uh, one of our guys, Gary Musselman, came up with this idea of retrofitting this bread truck so that we could put all of our stuff in. And so he built this steel ramp on the back that weighed a couple hundred pounds. I don't know. That thing was really, really heavy. And he also designed the truck so that when you walked into it the first time, there were metal bars that would be about this high. So I think most of the guys came out with head wounds. They're shaking their heads. They're remembering the head wounds from that experience. But, but the truck was quite a, quite a scary experience because you're driving a, a, a truck packed with several hundred pounds of stuff down the hill on 897 to park it at the chapel, and that was a very scary experience, but that met our needs for a number of years as well. But one of the cool things about the experience here with Gaiman's is the opportunity to partner with them and for them to allow us to add things to the facility. And, and so um, we've added things like the speakers that are above us, the ramp to the shed out back, um, screens, um, uh, drapes around the side, uh, lighting and cages on those, and some additional drapes. So, and a lot of these things, Gary was involved in overseeing those projects for us, and Gaiman's was very gracious in letting us partner with them to make that happen. And one of the unique things about this experience that took place was this, um, this thing called setup um, and teardown that happens every single week. And Melody talked about having a chance to observe that. And uh, let me just ask in this room, how many of you have ever been involved in setup and teardown here at Gaiman's? Okay, look around there. So this is kind of like a church-wide experience, you know. So go ahead and roll that video, Kevin. But uh, um, So what we do is we arrive every Sunday morning at around 7 o'clock. Sometimes the sound guys are there even a little bit before 7, sometimes 6, 6.30. And uh, they begin the process of transforming this building um, into a place that we can use that can meet our needs and we can serve we can worship God, our kids can be challenged and taught God's truth as well. And One of the things that is important when you go through transitions in life and something ends and something begins, 
um, is to look at the things that you will miss. Now, I'm not going to take a poll and ask how many of you will miss setup because I know the answer to that already. Um, but there is something that is lost. You say, what is lost, John? Well, about 10 years ago, uh, one of the missionaries that we support, PV, he said to me, he said, John, how are you going to replace what happens when all these people serve side by side, week in and week out? And so one of the things that does get lost is the camaraderie that we experience. As especially for men, we get to serve shoulder to shoulder with one another on a, a period of time as you have to set up and tear down in the rain and in the snow and in the sleet and the hail. You're like the postman, you know, you're doing it no matter what the weather. But there's some other cool things that happen from this as well. When, when I watch our students and they, they do set up, our middle school and high school students do set up and and uh, when they get the clipboard that walks around and checking off what's, what's being done, and then they're growing into those opportunities to lead their peers to do this as well. So as we see this season of our experience here at Gaiman's come to a close, as you're watching the, the transformation take, pla- take place very quickly on the screen behind me, um, there's something that we will not miss. Um, I had someone say to me, so are we going to tear down the chairs at Reinhold's? And I said, are you out of your mind? what are you kidding? You know, and no, we're not planning to do that. They're going to stay up until we have the other space ready. And then we can move into that and be able to enjoy that, that space as well. So, um, it's a part of our history. It's a part of what God allowed us to, to happen. It's a part of what took place. And we feel very grateful for the partnership with Gaiman's. Um, as Glenn and I were reflecting a little bit about all the changes and we just showed you a few of them. Um, you know, Glenn reminded us of the parking lot that we use every week and, and the shed that we store, most of it we store, and they use storage as well. Just so many different things that they were willing to allow us to do here and uh, to partner with them to make the, the facility meet the needs that we had. One of, the, um, one of the other things that was unique in the way that it happened was um, this place allowed our kids' ministry. So um, it looks like we're about, well, about set up there, Kevin, so we're in good shape. So it was our kids' ministry is one of the things that allowed it to happen here. And um, Christine, who's on the stage with me, she led our kids' ministry for the first 15 years here at CCC and has since transitioned to oversee um, and serve in our, excuse me, to serve in our 56 ministry. So I've asked her to talk a little bit about the opportunities uh, that our children's ministry had to grow and develop here at CCC. Christine? Um, Although the children's ministry did not begin at Gaiman's, it definitely developed here. And one of the first changes we made after a few years of being in here was to move to a large group, small group format. And I remember that first week I paced around our park that Sunday morning reviewing my lesson because I realized now I was not just going to be talking to kids, but there would be adults in there as well. And it was highly intimidating for me. But the benefits of that change were amazing because now we had people who could do music and that was their strength or work one-on-one with kids and that was their strength. And, um, and so I'm glad to have pushed past that then we cha- when we made that change. But our first large group was on those steps in the hallway. We created our own little amphitheater and then they used the rooms for their small group breakouts and later we transitioned back to the rooms because it was a little bit in the way when people would try to walk down there. But it worked right at first. Um, The other change that we made was we moved to a 56 ministry because we were right in the middle between Garden Spot and Cocalico. Middle school started at a different place for both schools. And we tested it out here in the modular building back by the shed. Um, Once we had figured out how that would work, we, we transitioned them to the student venue on Sunday mornings, shuttled them down. But we would come back a couple of times 
um, a year, and, and one of them was our serving Sunday, and where they would serve up here with the K to fourth graders. Uh, one thing about children's ministry is it has to evolve and change. If you don't have change, it will die. And, and so there, there are things that we did then that we don't do now, but they still have great memories. And one of those was Kids in Tune. And that was a children's musical, especially known for the Christmas program that they would put on. Um, and being in this building with a bigger stage and a bigger room that allowed for us as a church to grow and, and our kids to, as our kids were growing, to have more space. Um, the camp scholarship program uh, didn't start here, but when we came here, this involved um, scripture memory, things we didn't have time for as, on a weekly basis as much, and we wanted to have some block time on it. Um, but it also involved letting kids test drive serving. Uh, they, especially as they became fifth and sixth graders, they would soon be able to be put on a schedule in seventh grade. And so it allowed them more opportunities because here we were in a bigger facility that um, we could have more opportunities for them. And then it later expanded to include the middle and high school students who would use it for mission trips and other opportunities beyond camp. Um, the last thing we uh, started here was summer Sundays. And we chose to do that instead of a VBS program. Um, it started in church with the whole church. It evolved into being outside in the tent, which worked great until we flooded one year and was not good. So it was moved back inside the sound. People were a little bit nervous that year. Um, and so then it later um, transitioned to three separate groups. We had a preschool thunder, summer Sundays, the K to fourth, and then the 50, summer 56. Um, and the fact that it happened in the summer, we were allowed to leave everything up, and that was great because usually everything we thought through with kids ministry had to be what can you set up and what can you tear down. And our summer programming we were able to leave up for the duration, which was great. And then finally, most recently, we moved from children's ministry, which I use these words because that's what it was all those years, to family ministry where um, we have created a un unity from the children's ministry all the way through the student ministry. And that, we'll continue that as we move into our new building. One of the, as Christine said, um, everything in, in life has a season. And one of the things that was a season in our church was a... Um, an idea that we had come up with to reach out into our community, that was a, a soccer clinic. And so we merged the idea of a soccer clinic with helping kids understand truth and value from God's Word. And uh, Mel Dobb led that. And so, Mel, can you talk a little bit about how the movement of that event here to Gaiman's allowed that event to grow? Yeah, again, um, it didn't start here, um, but our space was so limited up at the chapel that we really had very few opportunities to serve a lot of kids. Um, so moving down here, we were able to really open it up to the community. We had, you know, over 100 kids participate. Um, it also, the space here and being able to use it allowed us to um, prepare and serve a meal every night of the clinic to not only the kids participating but their families as well, um, which in turn encouraged the families to stick around and watch and participate, and it gave us, um, as a church, an opportunity to get to know the kids and their parents and um, really impact um, them and get to know them. Um, and just, it really gave us a, a great outreach for, you know, ministering to our kids here um, by teaching biblical principles and um, the community kids and families that came. 
You know, GMS has been a place where God has allowed our ministry to grow and allowed our ministry to impact lots of people. And from the events for our kids that you hear that you heard about to some of the programs that we've been able to to see happen on Christmas Eve and other events, um, it's been a space that God has allowed for people's lives to be transformed. And one of the things we did as we were preparing for this time is we asked some of our um, students who were no longer students but who are now on the new season of their lives to reflect back on the way that the ministry that took place here impacted their lives and their growth and their spiritual journey. So watch this video and listen to their stories. My name is Alicia Miklas. As I look back at my faith journey, there are so many people who came into my life and encouraged, taught, and molded me into the person I am today. Ted and Linda Wolf were welcoming leaders when I was in elementary school. They took my picture with a Polaroid camera, and since that was the only time I had ever had my picture taken with such a camera, I was quite fascinated. Greg Dodd became Goliath as he stood on a ladder to show us all how tall the giant was during the summer we held classes in a tent set up behind the chapel. My mom made the Bible come alive as we reenacted Paul's shipwreck and built bricks like the Israelites. My aunt, Rachel Miklas, led kids in tune and gave me an opportunity to try something new. As I moved into middle school and high school, I was given more opportunities to lead and grow. Carrie Pierce, Terry Maxwell, and Kara Taylor each led my small group at various points and were key influences as I made my faith my own. Mike Pierce reminded us over and over again that we were loved, which was so important for me to hear at that stage in my life. Each step of the way, I was given the time to grow, to learn, and to be guided into who God was creating me to be. My name is Katie Wolf Martin. I have so many wonderful childhood memories from kids' ministry at CCC. I can still remember some of the songs we sang at Kids in Tune, and I learned so much from Christine's night class. I remember my first time sitting in big church. I was so nervous. Christine took the time to make up worksheets for us that corresponded with John's message, which were very helpful and fun to fill out. I loved youth group, especially middle school. I look back at middle school as a time of great spiritual growth. I remember that everything Mike would teach us was new and exciting and helped me move to the next level in my relationship with Christ. I was also very blessed by a wonderful group of friends who were always encouraging me in my walk with Christ. I remember when we picked the name Flipside for our youth group. As always, Mike made it fun and allowed us all to be part of choosing the name. We submitted ideas and then everyone voted and Flipside was chosen. My name is Teddy Wolf. A childhood memory of mine happened at Kids in Tune Christmas play rehearsal when I was about first grade. Rachel Miklas always told us to keep our eyes on her to know what was going on, and after the rehearsal she cried and said she was proud of me for keeping my eyes on her the entire time. Another memory that stands out to me from my teen years did not happen inside GMS. It took place on a flip side, now called C3, trip to Jamaica. We spent a day at an orphanage with kids who have nobody to call mom or dad, and I realized how truly blessed I was to even have parents. My name is Gabby Weber. One of my first memories of CCC was joining JFK, Just for Kicks Soccer Camp, and being a part of Kids in Tune. Being shy, Kids in Tune helped me open up more to people and to God. My name is Kristen Wolf. 
So many of my memories through all the years of my life are tied to CCC. I grew up here, but the first memory that came to mind was Christine's night class for 4th to 6th grade. I remember feeling like such a cool big kid when I was old enough to be in. One memory in particular from it though. I was a stubborn child, in fact I still am quite stubborn, and when I believed something rarely would I waver from it. As a kid I hated shoes, so whenever possible I would go without them. I never came with shoes and Christine was concerned about the safety of my feet, so told me I needed to bring them. The next time I came with shoes, I just didn't wear them. I brought them and dropped them in the gym. Needless to say, I'm not sure she found this as comical and witty as I did. I remember Christine faithfully teaching all of us students. I learned so much through her class and had so much fun. I still remember part of the Greek alphabet and part of the map from Paul's missionary journeys. Even if I would buck her in areas such as refusing to wear my shoes, she loved us and taught us well, helping me and all my peers learn and grow, no matter how challenging we were. My name is Nikki Daw Boehner. Thinking back over all the years I spent at CCC, it is extremely difficult to try and choose just one memory. From the time I was about two all the way through my first year teaching, CCC and the people who make CCC so special played a significant role in shaping and deepening my faith, my passion, and my love for Christ. One defining moment in my life took place during my first trip with the youth group to Jungle Jump Off in North Carolina. It was on this trip that I learned about ESL from a person who worked on the Wycliffe base. Before then, I knew I loved languages, learning about other cultures, and working with kids, but I was unsure how I wanted to combine my passions. Now, ten years later, I am teaching ESL full-time and loving it. I have learned that I have a mission field here in the United States to love the kids that often feel out of place and who need to know there is someone who will support and believe in them so that they can be successful. My name is Heather Aldridge. I have many memories of fun times growing up at CCC. I've met so many leaders and friends who've touched my life and helped me grow in my faith. One of the biggest things I learned in the gym of GMS was that God can use me anywhere. No matter how small the task may seem, whether it's in Lancaster County spreading mulch or across the ocean in Jamaica painting classrooms, He can use my gifts and talents anywhere. I also learned that though we may face many trials on this earth, there is always a Heavenly Father waiting for me with open arms, no matter how many times I've messed up. I am so thankful for CCC and how everyone has shown me love and helped me grow in my faith. I am anxious to see how God will use this new facility to reach out to more people. As you've heard me say, so on several occasions, uh, we feel very blessed uh, to have had this partnership here with Gaiman's for our ministry to be involved here during this season. And uh, Glenn Moeller's on the stage with me. Glenn's one of our elders, and Glenn has had a unique relationship with the leadership here at Gaiman's. So I've asked him to tell you a little bit about that relationship and um, some of the interactions and how they, they have worked together and uh, their, to offer their perspective of what life has been like having us as renters in their space. So, Glenn? Thanks, John. Um, yeah, that was a really neat trip down memory lane there, just seeing all the things that happened in this space that we were able to use it to, uh, to minister to uh, you know, families here in the community. 
Uh, what I want to do first is I wanted to um, have anybody that is either on staff with Gaimansman High School or on the board to please stand so we can acknowledge you here this morning. So please stand up. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about the relationship. I had the unique opportunity to um, act as a liaison, liaison between um, our church here and Gaiman's Mennonite School. And so what I did is I'd attend the board meetings and we'd talk about issues that we had to resolve um, and, and to make sure that as a community, a church facility here, we could use this building and um, you know, work out any sort of uh, conflicts we might have between those uses. And I have to say that it went very easily because the board has been very accommodating and easy to work with and very flexible. And especially the teachers, we know that they have to be flexible because every Monday morning they come in and their rooms have been shuffled by the setup and teardown crews. And we try to put them back in place and some teachers would even you know, mark diagrams on the board about where the chairs should go and where the desks should go when they're, we're done. And we try to um, really honor that. Um, but we do appreciate the, f the flexibility and, and patience you had with us as we did that. Um, over the years, we, we, we dealt with, um, you know, how do we make this facility work for us? And um, when we came here, you know, as Mel mentioned, this, this is used as a gym. And a gym doesn't really have to look like a church building, you know, for it to function as a gym during the school days. So, um, you know, there's a lot of work we had to do to turn it into a facility that we could use for a church service on a Sunday morning. Um, and to do that, the board and, and, and staff here at Gaiman's has been very supportive and, and worked with us over the years, so we really appreciate that. Um, you know, the attention, they, we worked with them over the years on, on the cleaning the facility, um, putting new things in here, wiring, um, all the things that we did, uh, they were accommodating and flexible. Um, other things that they had to do. Um, as you know, it seems like um, over the last couple of winters, we had a lot of snowstorms coming on Saturday <laughs> evenings. And, you know, they wouldn't have to clear the facility uh, for their own use, but they would still do it to make yeah. sure that we could have our church services here on Sunday mornings. And that meant sometimes being out at 5 or 5.30 in the morning and blowing snow and, and plowing the, the parking lot and the mm -hmm. driveway. Um, so, you know, a lot of things and sacrifices they made for us. Um, so those are all about, you know, physically accommodating us as a church here, but I think one of the neatest things about our relationship is kind of our shared uh, vision and ministry. Um, you know, as I attended board meetings, they would ask me, you know, how things were going with the church, and they wanted to know, um, you know, about things that we were doing and how we were affecting the community here and ministering to it. Um, so they really had a shared interest in our ministry, and I could tell that by the questions they asked. So we talked about some of our shared challenges and successes, you know, both as a school and as a church um, during those board meetings. And that was, uh, that was kind of neat to see that relationship um, and their interests. And we know that was really based on a shared, um, you know, common um, relationship we have with Jesus and uh, the interest in, in reaching our community um, through both a school and a church. Um, so that, that was, I think, really the highlight of, um, you know, my view of the relationship we had with the um, Edmonds High School. Glenway, as we close this time, would you, uh, would you just lead us in a word of prayer, um, sure. thanking God for the opportunity and for the partnership and just asking God's blessing on Gaimans for their generosity and sharing yeah, this with that. us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for um, Gaimans Men High School and, and the ministry they have here in the community. 
reaching out to children, um, teaching them, giving them an education, but also raising them up and nurturing them in their faith. And we do thank you for what they do and the sacrifices they make um, for um, the school. Um, but we also thank you for how they've accommodated us over the years and supported us um, physically as we've met here and, um, and allowed us to, to use the facility to operate as a church. Most of all, we do thank you for the support they gave us as, as a church body and our shared uh, heritage in you. And, and how they took an interest in what we were doing here. And we pray right now for, for them as they move forward as a school, that you uh, continue to give them success as they educate in this community. And as we move away into another space, we can look back fondly in the memories we have here, and we thank you for that. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Glenn. You know, and that investment in people's lives really hasn't ended. Um, it's still continuing on. And um, whether it's here, whether it's in another space, um, our prayer is that God will continue to be at work. And um, one of our young adults is heading on to uh, an opportunity for ministry for the summer. Um, some of you know uh, Hannah Matthews, who's here with us. She's sitting over here. Hannah, put your hand up. There's Hannah over there. So Hannah and her sister Sarah has recently joined her from Ghana, who's next to her there. But Hannah's heading out for the next three months to... North Dakota, right, for uh, some linguistics training. Um, Hannah has a desire to be a, ling a linguist, uh, to be able to help others be able to he read and understand God's word in their language. So if you think about Hannah this summer, she'll be away from us. She's usually back there trying to read my mind at, the, at the operating the projection up here and does a very good job. So uh, we will miss her being with us, and our prayers go with you this summer. So. We know it's 2007 when we started the conversations with our deacon team, thinking that this is a great space for us, but there's going to be a point in time where we needed a place that was going to be our own. And we weren't sure where that was going to be or what that was going to be, but as this season of our church life comes to a close and we're about to transition next week into the new facility, it would be very easy for us to have a sense of we've arrived, especially with the amount of work and effort and sacrifice that has gone into preparation for that space that space up there. Just yesterday, there was over 50 people there uh, working outside, working inside, and, and not just the people that were there yesterday, but, you know, the people that have been there all throughout this process and the people that at the very beginning were, were interacting and trying to look at properties and consider properties and all throughout this process, there's just been so much that has poured in. It would be very easy for us to get to this place and do a big, ah, we're done. But the reality, of the, and so the good news is that that step of the process is finished. But the reality is, is that our destination is not a building. That's not the end goal. That's not the end result. It's just a step along the way. Because we as a church do not exist just to build a building or just to renovate a building. That's not why we exist we as a church exist as, a church, as an organization that has a mission. And we believe that mission is for us to invite as many people as we possibly can that they would know God fully and love God fully and love others deeply. You see, the Bible says our destination is not here or not another place on this earth, but our destination is heaven. And that we're just sojourners in this place called earth. So what does this mean for us as a church? Well, I think we all have a sense that as we move into a new space and a new community that there's going to be lots of people checking us out. And as they check us out, um, and I, as I've thought about this, my prayer is 
is this. I know they're going to be amazed by the building and the work that you all have done. They will be amazed by that. I know that. Uh, We've had so many comments already. That's going to happen. But my prayer is that they would not just be enamored by a building, that they would be drawn to Jesus because of you. That's what my prayer is. That's what my prayer is. And they would be drawn to Jesus because of you, because they see something in your life. They see a love for God in your life that spills out, as we've talked about, and a love for other people. As you welcome them, as you reach out to them, as you serve them, as you care for their children, as you come alongside and are with them in their life journey. You know, just like we as a church have been on a journey, um, the reality is, is for all of us, life is a journey. Um, isn't the song, Life is a Highway? I think that's a song somewhere, you know. But there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. That life isn't about a destination. I'm just trying to get to here. It's, it's ongoing and there's movement. I'm one of those kind of individuals that like to move. I like to learn. I like new things. I like new ideas. I like things that are new. I like to be trying and experimenting with things, new things all the time. I'm not the kind of person that goes to a restaurant and I eat the same thing every time. But how many of you are like me like to try new things? Okay, there's a few of you out there. We're all preparing for something new that's going to affect us as a church. And we're not quite sure what that's going to all be like. But the reality is for all of us as we move into something that's new, we've spent this time over the last six or seven weeks talking about our values, talking about the things that are true about us. The foundational concepts, our core belief, and our core, our core purpose and our core values. And just to do a little refresher course before it comes up on the screen, we're on track here, Kevin, so good job back there this morning. So um, can someone, and I, you need to put your hand up here, can someone tell me what the core purpose is that we've been talking about over the last six or seven weeks? Can someone tell me that? Let me see a hand. Who's going to tell me? Come on, you've got to put your hand up. To get, I've got a prize up here for you. If you don't put your hand up, you're not, you can open your Bible and pull out those old notes. So, all right, what is it? Okay, love God fully, love others deeply. Now, this has got to go a long way back there to you, Lloyd. You ready? You better duck if you're in front of the, You better stand up, Lloyd, so I can throw it high. So I'll throw it high up to you back there. So, all right, made it all the way back there. So it's going to come up on the screen here. Love God fully, love others deeply. That's what we said our church is to be about. We want to be a place that no matter who crosses paths with us, that they would have a sense that loving God with everything that we have matters more than anything else. And that out of that comes a love for other people. And then we began to talk over the next few weeks about some values. So again, if you have your notes, pull your notes out. You can cheat. I don't care how you come up with this. But we've talked about some values. So who can tell me what the first value is that we've talked about? What's the first value that we've talked about? You've got to put your hand up so I can see you or recognize you. That's not fair. But if nobody's going to put her hand up, I'm going to call on her. Go ahead, Alicia. Oh, no, that's number two, but I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you something anyway. So that's number two. So here you go. That's number two. You ready? Help her, Steve. Oh, I got it to her. But All right, number two is healthy relationships. Anybody know the first value? Okay, Linda. Gracious acceptance. And you got a son sitting back there. Man, he's, uh, all right, here it comes. You ready? Coming back to you. All right. All right, so the first one is gracious acceptance. The second one Alicia got is healthy relationships. What's the third one? Can somebody give me the third one? All right, we got a hand back there in the corner. What's the third one? Okay, that's the fourth one. So, man, that's way bad. I don't know how I'm going to get this back there to you guys. You ready? Here it comes, duck in front of them. So, all right, nice catch back there. So, 
All right, intentional rhythms. That's the fourth one. We're missing the third one. We've been talking about. So what's the third one? All right, I got to go up here. Sorry, I can't throw that far, Tyler. So go ahead. Purposeful serving. Here you go. This is a nice short one right there to you, Dave. So come see me afterwards, Tyler. I got a leftover for you. So. So these are the values that we've been talking about. The things that we say need to be true about our church. The values at the core of who we are. We want to be a place that graciously accepts people. We talked about the woman at the well, that Jesus walked past all these barriers to risk being ostracized by the culture and the community to love this woman. Talked about healthy relationships, about what does it look like to be a part of God's family, the family of Jesus. We all have this family of origin, this family we're born into with all these family rules, but what does it look like to be part of God's family? We talked about purposeful serving, about living out our purpose, living out our unique design, doing what we are wired to do. Talked about intentional rhythms of what does that look like for us to slow down and be with God. And then this week we want to wrap up by taking a few minutes and talking about forward movement. And as we talk about forward movement this morning, I want to just tell you a little bit of what God has to say about this area of our lives. And when we talk about forward movement, I believe what God longs for us is if we have a relationship with Jesus, that relationship should always be growing. It should always be moving. In John 5, verse 17, Jesus said this, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. You know, I don't always realize that God is always doing something in my life. All the time. All the time. He's doing something when I'm sitting by myself. He's doing something when I'm with other people. He's doing something when it's just me and my thoughts. God is always at work. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, God is doing something in your life till you leave this earth. The God of the heavens is active in your life. He's active in your life when life is going well. He's active in your life when life really is going badly and you don't know what in the world is going on. God is up to something in our lives no matter what. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God is looking for men. He's looking for women. He's looking for students who have a heart that is desirous to know God, who have a heart that's fully committed, and God is going to pour out His, His efforts and His heart into those individuals. One thing, I know that I, one thing I think we all know to be true about relationships is they're not passive, meaning they're always moving. They're always moving either closer together or further apart. If I sat down and had a conversation with you, I'm fairly certain that you would be able to tell me maybe a couple relationships in your life where you're like, it just really feels like we're drawing together. Maybe it's a friend that you just developed a close relationship. Maybe you and your spouse are connecting in some meaningful ways. Maybe you and one of your, one of your students or one of your kids, you're, you just feel really connected to them right now. In the same way, you probably could tell me of a couple relationships where you feel like they've drifted apart. Maybe you moved to a different area and you've drifted apart. Maybe there's conflict and you've drifted apart. Maybe there's pain and suffering and struggle and you've drifted apart. And so we know that relationships are always moving closer together and further apart. And it's no different in our relationship with God. You will not deepen your relationship with God if you do nothing. You will not. And there's a balance because there's a part that I have to do and a part that God has to do. 
This is not all about me. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. He says, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue, this is our part, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And this is God's part. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's a little bit like a form of brain surgery that I was reading about in which the surgeon is operating on a person's brain and they are actually still awake. And as they're awake, the surgeon is asking the patient questions and the, doc- and the, the patient is telling the doctor how certain things feel as the doctor is moving to operate on their brain. It's this amazing process of them working together. And that's what God wants to see happen in our lives. And so as I thought about this, I thought, what are the important things for us to recognize? Well, there's some basic components. You heard Christine talk about the camp scholarship program. One of the things that we want not only our kids but our students and our adults is to have some foundational elements in their lives. And you're going to see these come up on the screen, things like reading God's Word on a regular basis, prayer and journaling and memorizing Scripture and being in a place where you hear God's Word taught to you on a regular basis. Those are important foundational elements in our relationship with Jesus. And all of these provide a solid foundation are important parts of our journey. And these have been a part of my life for much of, much of my life since I was a young child. But I came to discover a few years ago, and someone used this analogy, and it really connected to me. I, came to dis- I just see- I had found myself over a number of years realizing that there were certain areas in my life that as much as I did all these things, as much as I prayed about it, as much as I read the Bible, memorized Scripture, fasted, did whatever I could think to do, I still didn't see God changing these parts of my life. And I couldn't reconcile that in my mind because I knew that the Bible says that God is powerful and he's, all, he's a creator and I knew that God's spirit lives inside me and why couldn't these things change? It's a little bit like this next picture on the screen. It's a little bit like an iceberg. An iceberg. You know how much of the iceberg is visible? Anybody know? About 15, 20%, something like that. It's about all that's visible. The rest of it is below the waterline. And someone used this analogy to help me understand that much of these basic foundational approaches to our faith, they really get to the stuff just above the waterline. But what helps me deal with my thoughts and my emotions and my pain and my heartache and the difficult things that have happened in my life, a lot of that, if not all of it, is below the waterline. And so I want to give you some additional things that I have come to learn and discover are important steps in our faith journey for us to keep taking forward steps and forward movement in our relationship with God. The first one is that I face the pain of grief and loss in my life. The truth is no one avoids grief and loss since the Garden of Eden. No one has. We all live in a broken and sinful world. And we all have things that begin and things that come to an end. You know, one of the things that I, I spent a little bit of time doing in preparation for this transition is just to think about what would be some of the things that we would lose, that I would lose from the opportunity of what we do here every single week. I mean, as much as setup is difficult, it gives me a chance to see our church serving together. It gives me a chance to connect with individuals before and after. Someone said to me just yesterday, I'm not sure what it will be like to have the service come to an end, turn everything off, and shut the lights off, and walk out the door. And so there will be something that is lost. 
I mean, the opportunity being in someone else's space for us to try to come up with a creative solutions. And we've had creative solutions for so many things in this building. There'll be a different kind of challenge, but we won't be doing that anymore. Um, there's just some things that will be lost. And unless we walk into and look at the things that are lost when we face these difficult things in our lives, we can never be free to live. Sadly, people that lose a loved one, often tragically or unexpectedly, if they don't enter that loss fully, they fear death. They become over-controlling. Um, they try to manage things in life because they're afraid it'll happen again. We've all faced this in our lives. We all have. Not just the grief of loss, not just the grief of end of an experience, but the grief of sin against us as well. I heard someone say recently, the sad reality is we've all been raised by sinful parents. And that means sinners sin against other people. And we have to face that and walk into that and recognize that. If we don't do that, we do this. Because there's a pain over here that causes me to feel a pain that I don't want to enter. Because I've been there once and I don't want to go back there again. It's all below the waterline. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, he says, what I want you to experience is I want you to experience the comfort that God's Spirit has given you so you can offer that to someone else. You say, John, how do I know when I process grief and loss in my life when you have the freedom to talk about that pain and you can enter someone else's pain who's going through the exact same struggle? Not avoid it. You can enter it. Another part of this journey that I think is below the waterline is to walk backwards to face this loss in my life differently. There's a story in the Old Testament about a guy by the name of Joseph, and you may recall his story. Joseph had a number of brothers, and he was the favored son of all these brothers, and the brothers didn't really like that, and so they took Joseph, threw him into a pit, um, told his father that he had been killed, and then sold him into slavery. Joseph was then... Um, given a position of authority, and a woman lied about sexual advances that he did not have towards her, but that she had towards him, and he was thrown in prison again. The result of that imprisonment, it was several years there, and eventually he was given a position of great authority and power in the nation of Egypt. Right after he was given this position, he marries a woman, and he has a son named Manasseh. Do you know what Manasseh's name means? Manasseh's name means this, God has made me forget all of my trouble in all my father's household. You know what Joseph wanted to do? He wanted to put all of his family and all of his pain and all of the ways he had been treated in a closet, shut that door and never go back there again. He says, God has freed me from all of that. But you know what happens in the very next chapter? God wasn't done with Joseph's past yet. Because God, in almost this comical way, brings Joseph past right in front of him, has his brother show up on the door asking for food, not knowing who in the world he is. And Joseph has this sense of divine justice, and now they're going to pay. And I'm going to make them feel the kind of pain that I felt, and feel accused, and feel threatened, and feel uncertain about what their future is going to be. And he kept this charade going over once and a second time, until he couldn't handle the charade any longer. And it says, he wept greatly in front of them. 
He's a man that tried to hide his past and tried to avoid all of that. But God brought him to a place of brokenness. And he revealed who he was to his brothers. And his brothers are like, oh man, we are in bad trouble now. Joseph's like, no, 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 move the whole family here. And so they did it. And they lived a great life until their father died. And they're like, oh no, he's coming after us again. And Joseph said this in Genesis 15, or Genesis 50, verse 20. He says this, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. You see the stuff below the waterline? That's the stuff in our past. That's the stuff in the closets. That's the stuff we don't want to talk about. That's the hurt and the pain and the abandonment and the abuse and the betrayal that's all a part of our lives. But the truth is, and I heard a woman say it this week, the woman whose husband was responsible for the nickel mine shooting in southern Lancaster County a few years ago, she said, God doesn't waste a single bad thing that happens in our lives. He doesn't waste it. He doesn't waste it. He has a purpose and a plan to use these things for His good. And if you and I have never walked in the past and looked at that heartache, looked at that struggle, we're going to have these things below the waterline. They're going to keep us at the ceiling of saying, God, I want to move forward. I want to follow you. I want to love you and I want to love others. But I keep hitting the ceiling and I keep hitting it. Likely it's connected to those things in our lives that we've not been willing to face and enter. A couple more. One we talked about a few weeks ago, the rhythms of solitude and silence. We talked about that a few weeks ago, and I'm not going to spend much time on that, but just the fact that if we do not slow our lives down to just be quiet and still before God, David said, be still and know that I am God. We have got to shut life off. We have got to turn it down. We've got to find a way to be quiet and still. I was just telling my wife the other day, we were talking about some things, and I just had recalled that the, the time in my schedule where I have several hours where I'm quiet and still before God had just been filled up the last couple of weeks, and I can just feel kind of an anxiety and a churning inside of me. Because I've not been quiet and still to say, God, what do you have for me? What does your word have for me? Because I'm just going to be quiet before you. Next one there is relationships that are authentic. Relationships are authentic. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Let the person who cannot be alone beware of community. Let the person who is not in community beware of being alone. The other day I was driving down the road and I happened to go by common occurrence in our community and horse and buggy and the horse had blinders on, you know, so it doesn't get distracted by what's out here. We all live life with blinders on. We all have things that are out here that we cannot see in our lives. But other people looking at us see very, very clearly. I feel incredibly blessed that God has not only given me trusted friends and coworkers, but men and women in my life. My wife, Christine, members of my small group, leadership here at CCC, that continue to alert me to blinders in my life that I don't see. Just recently I had a conversation with a woman and she said to me, she said, you know that statement you made to me recently, she said, I felt very shamed by that statement. I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I did not intend that. 
And we began to have the conversation. As we started this conversation, she explained that some of the struggle was her struggle in the way how she heard what I had to say. And it would have been very easy for me in that conversation just to wipe my hands and say, oh, well, I hope you're doing okay with that and just move on. But I felt this prompting to ask a little bit more. And so I said to her, what could I have said or how could I have said that differently? Because that wasn't my intent to produce that result in you. We talked for a few minutes about that. And then as I walked away, I thought, you know, I need to sit and think about this a little bit more. Because I talk to a lot of people all the time. And if it's happened once, it's likely happened multiple times. And I don't want that to be true of my relationships with other people. But if someone would not have had the relationship of trust to be able to speak into my life at that level, I would never have been aware that it was taking place. And so what about you and your life? Are there people in your life beyond maybe a spouse where you have relationships that are authentic, that are willing to speak into your life about those things below the waterline that often get overlooked? You know, as I talk about this challenge of forward movement, this challenge of spiritual growth, this challenge of walking with with God, really the goal for us in this process is what Paul said to the Galatians. Galatians 4:19. He said, "My prayer for you," he said, or he said, "I am it's as if I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you." Paul said, "I am in deep agony until you appear like Jesus Christ. And that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about through the good times in life, through the hard times in life, through the ups and downs in life, and what is happening in my life so that Jesus Christ is seen in me by every person that I cross paths with. This is not a journey for the faint of heart. And this is not a journey that happens quickly. Often when I ask people or encourage them or invite them to take a look below the waterline, they say to me, this is the first question they always ask me, how long will this take? And one of the realities is I, couldn't t- I can't tell you. I can't tell you how long it will take. The other reality is that this will be a difficult struggle for you. I used to not tell people that would look below the waterline in their lives. I used to not tell them that this is going to be hard. And I realized that that really wasn't a very good thing because this likely will be the most difficult challenge you've ever faced in your life. The most difficult challenge you've ever faced in your life. But what I do know is if you're a follower of Jesus, what Moses said to Joshua is true, and that's to take courage and be of good cheer um, because your God is going to be with you. So as we wrap this service up this morning and we bring this season of the life of our church to a close, this season of of ministry that God has allowed us here in partnership with Gaiman's Mennonite Mennonite School, we're, we're transitioning to a new season for us as a church. But the question is, what new steps is God inviting you to take in your journey? Maybe the first part of this journey is for you just to believe that there is part of God's design is for you to keep growing, for you to keep taking steps. I don't know where you are this morning in your journey, but are you taking steps towards God? 
moving towards him. Because remember, relationships are not passive and they're not static. You're either moving towards him or you're drifting away. Number two, I want to challenge you to face your losses and face your past. If there was one thing I believe that much of what we do in our culture and even in the Christian community is we avoid these things to our own detriment to allow Christ to be transformed in us. Number three, slow down to be quiet and listen to God. Slow down to be quiet and listen to God. I know this is not easy. But I believe when when God calls us to have Christ formed in us, it's to live the life of Jesus Christ. And he slowed down. He got away to just be with his Father, away from all the demands of his life, to hear from him and to be valued and treasured by him. And lastly, invite someone else into your journey. Invite someone else into your journey. Um, Bible's pretty clear that God's design is for us not to live this life alone. And I believe in our faith journey as well, God's design is not for us to face that journey alone. As we close this, this afternoon, I want to just take a moment and invite you to bow your heads and just pray with me. And, and as you do, um, just talk to God about where you're at right now in your journey. Um, be honest. He knows. If he's given you a nudge to take some steps, I encourage you to do that this morning. Say, God, I'm, I'm ready and willing to take some steps toward you today. God, we feel incredibly blessed. So humbled and grateful for our relationship with you and the sacrifice of your son that makes relationship with you possible. So grateful as a church to have enjoyed this partnership and to have blessed by it over the years. So amazed with your patience as our journey is not upward and to the right, but a lot of stops and starts and forwards and backwards. But you graciously and lovingly walk with us in it. So Lord, as we prepare for this change as a church, I pray that that would be true of what you want to see happen in us movement of us towards Christ being formed. That's our longing and that's our prayer. And we need your help because we can't do this on our own, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. As we sing this song, if you know the words, go ahead and sing along with us. If you're not sure how it goes, just take in the meaning of this song.